Welcome into the Fog.net podcast. Michael Swain here after Kansas beat Stanford 72 to 56 on the road. And that may not have been an aesthetically pleasing game, uh, but that was definitely a good win for Kansas, you know, in a road game. And it was not a tough road environment for Kansas, but still to travel on the road and to get a win against a, a now 11 and 2 Stanford team, but a Stanford team that will end up playing in March. Um, they've got some talent and, of course, you know, they're a really good coach as well. Uh, but to give you an idea of what we'll be talking about today, it'll be more of a, a big-picture look at where KU stands entering Big 12 play. Uh, the non-conference schedule is basically over. Kansas has to face Tennessee in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. That'll be on January 25th. Uh, but we'll talk about Devon Dotson, kind of his play as of late, what maybe he needs to uh, show going forward into Big 12 play. Talk a little bit about the two big look and how Kansas' big men have been playing as of late. And then we'll wrap it up with maybe someone that I think is having an under the rated uh, good season, especially after maybe the way he started the year. But starting off with Devon Dotson, it was another tough game uh, for him on the road. You know, he finishes with 14 points on 5 of 15 shooting. Back to back games where he's gone 5 of 15 from the field. Uh, but this is something I think that we've maybe now seen from Devon and maybe what we can expect for the rest of the season uh, is Devon is going to get his numbers. I think that's been very evident in the way that he's played this season. Uh, you know, he's only scored less than 15 points on two occasions. Uh, he scored 13 against BYU in the Maui Invitational, where he went 5 of 16 from the field. And then again on Sunday against Stanford, where he scored 14 on 5 of 15 shooting. And the thing with Devon is, is even if he isn't, you know, shooting the ball efficiently from the field, you know, he's still able to get to the free throw line. And that's where he's able to kind of not inflate because you work for those shots and you still have to uh, penetrate and drive and get into those positions where you are fouled. But that's going to help push that point total higher and higher. You know, you think of some of the better games Devon's had this year, you know, the 30-point game against Dayton, he shot 10 free throws. His 18-point game against Colorado shot 11 free throws. Uh, so for Devon, you know, even if he isn't going to be shooting, you know, 7, 8, 9 free throws a game, you know, you think about these two games where he maybe hasn't shot the ball well from the field, you know, he goes 4-4 four, four from the line against Stanford, goes 3 from 3 from the line against BYU. And what we've seen from Devon this season is he is being – extremely aggressive driving downhill. Um, nearly 50% of his shots from the field have been at the rim. You know, uh, that's a, up from last year where that number was about in the, the low 40s. He's now pushing 50% in that regard. He's kind of cut out the mid-range jumpers. We have not seen that as much. Uh, it's more of, you know, not a huge fan of the way the Houston Rockets play basketball, but it's more of the Maury Ball way of playing where, you know, you're going to shoot threes, get to the free throw line, and make shots at the rim. And that's what Devon's done this season. And, you know, those times where he is shooting in mid-range, if you will, it's been, it feels like, on floaters, and he's not necessarily hunting those mid-range jumpers off of pick and rolls. So for Devon, you know, even if he isn't going to be shooting the ball at a high clip, uh, it seems like he's still going to be one of those guys that's going to give you 15 points a game, you know, regardless of how good or bad he's playing. That's going to be kind of the floor for him. Uh, point total wise. And then you, you've seen what he can do, you know, when that three point shot starts falling, 
And then also what can happen if, you know, he's shooting the ball super efficiently at the rim. And I think it's also worth noting that early on in the season, you know, Dehan was shooting at a ridiculously high clip at the rim. Uh, and that number has to come down just because of law of averages. You know, you can't continue unless you're a post player like Doke, for example, you're not going to be able to shoot consistently, you know, 65 plus percent at the rim. So for him going forward, uh, some things that I would like to see from him is not necessarily hunting the three point shot, but off the, you know, when he's off the ball, maybe trying to get maybe some more of those three point looks, because what's happened now is you've seen Devon compared to last season, for example, Uh, Devon, when he shot three pointers, it was not off the dribble. It was not off pick and rolls. It was a lot of the times when, you know, Quentin Grimes had the ball or Diedrich Lawson fed him the ball uh, and he was just catching and shooting. Now that's a lot easier of a shot than having to create off the dribble. And I think that's what we've seen from Devon this season is him having to create for himself in terms of that three-point shot because Kansas doesn't really have a secondary ball handler outside of Marcus Garrett. And when Marcus Garrett is being that secondary ball handler, it is usually been when Devon is on the bench. So it's not been one of those things where Devon has been able to rely on getting kind of open looks from his teammates. He's kind of had to create for himself. And I think that's why you've seen, you know, that three-point percentage dip a little bit more, and now he's at, uh, you know, 30% from three on the season. So in Big 12 play now going forward, I'd be real interested to see kind of if Bill Self does stuff to get Devon off-ball looks from three just to, you know, help maybe not necessarily inflate that percentage, but just to get that confidence back for Devon so that he can see it go in a couple times, you know, feel good about that shot as we kind of get later into the season. Now that kind of leads into the, the two big looks as well in terms of spacing and what that would offer uh, for Kansas as well. Because if you look at the way that Kansas started games, you know, with the two bigs with Doak and David McCormick, uh, the driving lanes have still been there for Devon, but they are definitely not as open as it has been when, you know, KU goes to that four around one with Doak, David McCormick, or Sylvia with the five. So it's kind of all nuanced, right? So if Kansas is able to space the floor a little bit better with the two bigs, with Doak at the paint, and maybe David McCormick at the elbow or in the mid-range, you know, maybe that opens up the driving lanes for Devon, but vice versa, you know, maybe Devon making some more three-point shots from the outside could help open things up for David McCormick and Yudok Azubuke to get more efficient looks from inside the arc. So it really is a give and take with those two things, especially, you know, when you look at the the way that this team is set up. And with, you know, if you do not have Isaiah Moss on the floor, the spacing can get a little tricky at times, especially if, you know, Marcus Garrett isn't shooting a high percentage from three-point, and if Devon Dotson isn't either. So, and I think that also maybe bleeds into why we've seen David McCormick struggle a little bit more uh, in some of these bigger games as of late. You know, he was not very good against Stanford, um, wasn't really that good against Villanova either. You know, for David, it's one of those things where I think you'll see early on in the game if it's going to be his day or not. You think back to that game against Kansas City where from early on it was like, oh, you know, David's on today. He's going to, you know, he's going to be able to get to his shot and make those shots. You know, scored 28 points against Kansas City and has followed that up, you know, in the last two games averaging three points on, you know, 37% shooting from the field. So for him, it's going to be really interesting to see now we get into the Big 12 play, how he's going to look against teams like West Virginia that may play a little bigger or against maybe some of those teams like Oklahoma with the Brady Manic that are able to space the floor. Uh, you know, and Bill Self has talked about it as well, of how he feels like the, the ceiling for Kansas is playing with two bigs, but they have looked a lot better in that four guards around one look. 
So, and with David as well, if he's not going to be getting rebounds in that too big look, it's just not going to work. You know, he had two rebounds against Stanford, had three turnovers and two fouls. You know, you shouldn't have more turnovers than rebounds as a big man, especially, you know, against a smaller team like Stanford that isn't going to play with, you know, even a true center or even a true foreman. You know, De Silva played a lot of the five for them. He's only six foot nine. So, you know, for David, he's got to have to find ways to impact the game if he's not going to be able to make those shots from the mid-range. And that's going to be by getting extra possessions on the offensive glass. That's going to be just getting rebounds on the defensive end, like we've seen at times this season, you know, where he's able to get five-plus defensive rebounds. So as for Doak, uh, you know, Saturday was another – or Sunday, sorry. That was, you know, another game where teams have said, okay, when Doak gets the ball in the paint, we're going to crowd him, we're going to double him, sometimes even triple-team him, and make it so he's not able to get to his spots. Uh, because we've seen this season what happens when, you know, Doak is able to dominate. You think back to that Dayton game where, you know, he was able to kind of just eat in the paint and get real good starting position. And then from there, you know, for Doak, it's all about that starting position. If he can get a good starting spot, do the one dribble pound, and then go up and do either hook shot, dunk, you know, one of his post moves, you know, he's relatively unstoppable from there. But if you're able to maybe make it so it's two or three dribbles, that's where you see sometimes he'll panic, maybe not make the best decision. And I will say this too with Doak, he has made better decisions this season in the post. I think that can be you know, seen in the way that in terms of his assist numbers, you know, how that has looked. You know, he's averaging, um, what is it, uh, 1.4 assists per game. I'd be interested to see what that was in past seasons. But for him, it does feel like he's being more patient in the post. Uh, but there are still times where, uh, he does you know, react a little bit slow. I think back to late on in the Stanford game when he came back in late after he had picked up the four fouls, you know, there's only a minute or so left and he just kind of dribbles. He wanted a foul, uh, but the defender poked the ball away Kind of just stood there like, Hey, what the heck, you know, should have been a foul. And for him, it's in some of those moments where you're like, okay, Hey, you know, calm down, you know, you're good. You just got to keep being patient. And letting, because what happens with this now is if teams are going to send multiple guys at Doak, if, if you know, Ochai's in a corner, Isaiah Moss is in the, you know, strong side corner, you know, there's going to be shooters open. So he's just got to stay patient and find those guys. And that's how the offense is going to continue to evolve. Now, in terms of three-point shooting for the offense, I think this is something that's really interesting. Uh, Kansas has actually been really efficient shooting a three-point shot. They just have not shoot, shot a ton of them this season. And it's so funny, you know, conversely, you know, teams have gone out of their way to shoot threes against Kansas. And because of that, it maybe feels like Kansas isn't shooting the three ball well, but, you know, they rank in the top 50 in the nation in terms of three-point percentage, but they rank near 300 in terms of attempts. So they've been efficient when they've gotten those attempts, but they have not gone out of their way to shoot a ton of three-pointers. So that leads me into someone that I think has had a sneaky good non-conference slate so far, especially after the way he started the season. And that's Ochai You look at kind of the, the trend of his season, the season arc so far. You know, he started off the season pretty well against Duke and UNC Greensboro, but then kind of struggled with the shot for about a, a couple weeks there. But then since Maui, I thought this was really interesting. You know, it's been not been talked about a lot, his performance since Maui. But he's averaging 14 points, 
5.8 rebounds, 2.8 assists, 1.5 steals, and the biggest thing, 50% shooting from three on five attempts per game. So Ochai has you know kind of found that shot again, and he seems like he's playing with a lot more confidence. Uh, I tweeted this during the game, but I'd love to see him attack the rim more because I feel like that's maybe the part of his game that it isn't lacking, but maybe that he could utilize more because he is so athletic and he's so long that when he does get to the rim, he's going to be able to finish at a solid clip just because guys are not going to be able to block his shot. You know, in this in this five-game stretch since Maui, he's shooting 68% from two-point range, and he's not taking a ton of mid-range looks either. So for Ochai, he's kind of been this underrated guy so far this season, especially after that start of the season, you know, where a lot of questions were, you know, how is he, why isn't he shooting the ball well, you know, especially after uh, the summer where he reworked his shot with uh, a form coach, you know, through those first seven games this season, it was 31%, you know, from three. So for Kansas, you know, Ochai is not the X factor for Kansas offensively, but it feels like, you know, for Kansas to reach its ceiling as a team, Ochai is going to have to be, you know, that it's such a overused term now, but the three and D guy where he's going to take on, you know, one of the better wings on the opposing team. Uh, you know, Marcus Garrett's going to take basically the best offensive guard or wing on the opposing team. Devon's going to take the point guard. And then Ochai's going to be kind of that swing guy where he can take on, you know, if someone's got a really good four man and you're playing in a four guard lineup, maybe he's the guy that takes on the four guy. You saw that with Matthew Hurt a little bit in the Duke game. So for Ochai, if he can continue to play well on the defensive end, you know, getting steals, blocking shots, getting in passing lanes. I think that's going to continue to push Kansas forward and raise the ceiling of this team. Because if Ochai isn't shooting the three ball well and isn't defending, that you know that puts a lot more on Isaiah Moss and a lot more on Tristan Anaruna and some of the bench guys to come in and make up for that scoring gap. So for Kansas going forward, it's going to be a lot on you know your, things you're going to be looking for if you're the power rank. You know what you need. I think you need Devon Dawson to be real efficient. Uh, when he has the ball in his hands, that's not turning the ball over, that's creating for others, and that's not forcing shots. You know, for Doak, it's staying patient in the post. It's taking the looks when you can get them, but when the teams do send double and triple teams at him, it's passing the ball out and getting the ball moving on the perimeter to either, you know, reset a post look or to get an open shot for a teammate. Then, you know, number three then is when you get into that Ochai category and Isaiah Moss, and for the two of them, it's going to be vital that they're the guys that are stretching the floor for Kansas and spacing it and making it so you can close the gap on the three-point shots because teams are going to continue to you know use math against Kansas because KU is so good inside the arc with Devon and Doak and Marcus Garrett that teams are just going to try and make up from that uh, in terms of you know using that three-point shot against Kansas. So it's going to be on the likes of Ochai, Isaiah Moss, uh, and even some of the guys like Christian Brown coming off the bench to try and shorten that gap in terms of three pointers, because that'll help you know Kansas and close that variance for teams. You know, so in a game like Dayton where they make 16 threes, you know maybe you're able to make you know eight or nine yourself as a team, which will help you know severely close that gap and just raise the ceiling of this Kansas team to an, another high level. So that's all time we have for today. Thank you as always for listening to the Fog Dunn podcast. If you like what you heard, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. And as always, stay tuned to Fog.net for all sorts of great KU basketball and KU football coverage. Um, Big 12 plays coming up. We'll have film rooms coming back uh, starting this next week for basketball for myself. And I'm sure Scott will be doing some of those as well going forward. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter at mswain97. 
with that said, we will talk to you after the West Virginia game on Saturday.